Today on Midnight Mania Sports, we have Celtics writer for Mass Live News and co-host of Locked On Celtics podcast, John Krause. John, thank you for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thanks. So my first question for you is, how did you get your career started with your own podcast and writing for Mass Live News? Well, um, geez, it's a long road for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the podcast, uh, I've been doing podcasts for a long time, mm-hmm. various forms, uh, most recently, Jay King and I, who now Jay King now writes for the Athletic, um, <clears throat> we started a podcast called the Rain and Jays Podcast, mm-hmm. and did that once a week for a while. Uh, this was uh, how many years ago? At this point, four years ago or mm-hmm. so. But um, we just started doing that, and then David Locke, who is the radio play-by-play guy for the Utah Jazz, started this podcast network, and and he wanted us to be the Celtics podcast and it became a daily thing. And ever since, uh, ever since Jay left to start his own podcast, the athletic, I've been kind of hosting the show on my own. So that's, that's kind of the brief Genesis of how the podcast came about. But I'm going all the way back to like 2006 Mm -hmm. when I, when I started Red's army, I'd always found some sort of way to record a show, whether it was on blog talk radio or various ways to, to, create some sort of podcast even before they were called podcasts we would do some sort of show okay so and then my my career at mass live also roundabout way because i started out my career in television Mm -hmm. and concurrently with the television stuff i was doing redsarmy.com again since 2006 so i was blogging and writing and i'd been getting content put out there on different outlets i was freelancing on boston.com and then I, I quit my TV job and moved back to Boston and was starting my own like independent Patreon type of thing. Mm-hmm. And after, after I started that, about like a month into that, uh, an opening came about at Mass Live. And so I got interviewed for that and got the job. You played basketball as a four-year starter on the Emerson College team. You have the record for most rebounds in school history, and you were the first player in school history to play professionally over in Greece. What was that experience like for you? Uh, I mean, great. You know, the Emerson Emerson College is a small school, Division mm-hmm. three school. Um, I had opportunities to play at better basketball schools. Uh, Division two. Uh, mm-hmm. I was recruited at one of the you know two of the top five uh division three programs in new england back yeah. then um but i ended up going to emerson because they i wanted to focus on my education obviously i wasn't going to like duke or kentucky to right, play basketball. Right. so i knew that uh since that wasn't the case i probably wasn't going to have a long nba career or anything mm-hmm. like that so i said let me focus on my education and be real about it and and find a way to play basketball and it ended up being a great experience at Emerson because you know we ended up building up that program from kind of a joke to start to very respectable they, they just made their last uh, this past season not, not the current season mm-hmm. they made the NCAA tournament for the for the first time oh, wow. we got a new we got a new uh, gym built uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of that uh, between you know a few of my teammates and myself, under Hank Smith, uh, we really we really helped build a, a huge program. And, and Hank Smith is the guy. I mean, he was he was my coach for a couple of years at Emerson, but he's also the coach for Sam Presti, 
who is obviously the uh, general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, right. and a few other people in the NBA. So uh, the Emerson College, I'm proud of the Emerson College impact on NBA basketball because there's one current GM, one former GM who may be a GM again. Uh, there will be at least another one in there in the mix as well. So, I mean, it, it's possible that the NBA could have three different general managers out there at some point soon. Uh, who have Emerson basketball connections and a few of us who are writers and a few more of us who are scouts and a couple who are in the coaching ranks. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really amazing to me that, that we've, we've gone this far into the NBA uh, landscape, but it's, it's awesome. And I'm very, very proud of that. And, you know, my, my time in Greece was, was not very uh, extensive because I had a couple of injuries and it just, it, it cut my pro career very, very short. But um, it was still, it was, you know, I got paid to, to go live in Greece where I had family and right. I, I got to experience a little taste of, of that life and going out and being recognized and signing autographs and <laughs> stuff like that and seeing people, you know, write about you and talk about you. And it's, it's, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, uh, a very small dose of what these guys go through in the NBA. But uh, again, very proud, uh, very proud to be the first to, to have done that, and, and the experience serves me well, I think, in my coverage of uh, the Boston Celtics. Do you think that a lot more like future NBA players will be coming from overseas? I mean, you've seen that in Giannis and Luka Doncic as well. So do you think that's going to be like a new um, tradition for players to come overseas and play in the NBA? Uh, I'm sure it will be. I mean, you've got the, the, um, the international game has opened up significantly um you've you've got now uh, a league in africa with mm-hmm. nba backing uh obviously these teams in europe have, have gotten very very good um uh, and i think what's going to end up happening is there's almost going to be a sort of exchange where the best players in europe come over to the united states and what ends up happening is these guys who are good but not great who can play in the NBA but mm-hmm. get like two, three million dollar, four million, five million dollar contracts, those guys could end up going overseas and making more money. Mm-hmm. And and there will be, I think, over the next ten years or so, this phenomenon where the middle of the road NBA players go over to Europe and make money there and the NBA, the, the European players who are really good come over here and kind of push maybe some of that talent. Some guys who are, maybe would make a little bit more money if it wasn't mm-hmm. for the influx of the Doncic's and the you know Jokic's of the world. Uh, those guys, those guys could be pushed into that middle tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, long way for me to say that. I, I think that that talent level is going to be. It's going to increase the talent level in the NBA. And it's going to give a lot of guys who might not have long NBA careers an opportunity to make a, a fair amount of money playing sure. overseas. Yeah. And John, let's talk Celtics basketball here. Jason Tatum's coming off another stellar performance after a great game in Utah. Celtics have back-to-back wins, but without Kemba Walker. How important is it for the Celtics to get Kemba Walker back on the court? I mean, it's, it's very important, obviously. They want to make sure that he's back and in basketball shape and that the knee can kind of like build up to where it needs to be for a playoffs run. He's 
he's probably not going to play any back-to-backs. Uh, I don't know how many they have left. Not that many, but mm-hmm. uh, but he needs to get back. They, they need to start playing with their full complement of players so they can just work out like the final little kinks. They can. It's almost like sanding your deck after you finish building. You see, mm-hmm. It's there. You see it. You still got to finish it off so you get the final product. And uh, they, it's been great. One of the impressive things about the Celtics this season has been their ability to make up for the loss of mm. a player here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the real challenge for them is figuring out how to play with all four or you know, five of their best players together on the floor and who gets to take that final shot. The way Jason Tatum has been playing, he's ascended to number one, but the other guys need to you know, figure out like how do we now play together with these different roles that have emerged over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. And how serious doing that knee injury is that Kemba has? You mentioned he might not be playing back-to-backs the rest of the year, but is this something to be concerned with long-term and into the playoffs? I don't think so. Uh, I'm less convinced of that answer now than I was a couple weeks ago. But just talking to him and talking to the team, I feel like... He could probably play now. He feels good enough to play now. They want to make sure that he's back and playing uh, the right way. And and so whatever happened after the All-Star game where he had inflammation and they drained it, uh, they don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it is, and they're not saying what it is. I don't know if it's a ligament, a bone thing an arthritic thing i have no idea mm-hmm. but it's it's something that they seem comfortable in in saying like he, he could come back like they're talking about him maybe coming back and playing against houston so um i haven't seen any further updates on that but i i don't know that it's something that's going to cost him more extended time but it, it's still there's so much mystery surrounding it that i, I can't say anything for sure John, you mentioned how Jason Tatum has been the go-to guy for the Celtics right now. After a loss against the Lakers, he scored 41, and then against 36 against the Trailblazers, and 33 last night against the Jazz. How important has this season been for him, looking to give Boston another title? Yeah, it's it's really, really important. It's, it might be the single best development of the season for the Celtics. They've, they held on to Tatum for a reason. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go back over the past two or three years, you, I can remember various trades where they, you know, the Celtics didn't give up Tatum or Jalen Brown for that matter for like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis, and the Celtics got hammered each time. Why didn't you do this? You got to do this. You got to make sure you know. Blah blah blah. And Tatum comes out and all of a sudden shows. This is why. This is exactly mm-hmm. why you don't move him. Because they could have traded him for Anthony Davis and gotten one season of Anthony Davis, and then he probably could have left. Probably. So not not um, giving him up, it it shows that the, the faith they had in him to, to develop is, is well-founded. And so um, I think that he um him taking this this step gives the celtics that number one option that they've been looking for and 
now it sets them up for a future of him at number one, maybe Jalen Brown at number two, and that Kemba Walker and, and Gordon Hayward can be mm-hmm. um, supporting players. You know, there's been a lot of buzz the last few days about Jason Tatum being a top 10 player right now. Do you see that in him? Oh, sure. I think he can be a top 10 player. I mean, you might look at the past month and you might say he's been one of the top 10 players in the NBA this past month Mm -hmm. or even top five this past month. Um, I think, uh, first of all, it's been amazing, but it's it's not exactly sustainable. Mm -hmm. Even if he takes a small step back, he, no one, no one shoots fifty percent from three, and he has been in February. Like he's he's been shooting lights out, yeah. and I, I just kind of want to see where he settles moving forward. But he's he can easily be a top ten player. I think mm-hmm. I think he's pretty close to being a top ten player. If he can now, like, do two things, he needs to tighten up his handle and be a better ball handler. And he needs to start being a little bit of a better passer and get himself to a point where whenever he's doubled, he can get the ball out of his hands and maybe set a guy up to score, take advantage of the attention being paid on him. If he becomes a dangerous passer as well as a better ball handler, then then that makes him a potential top five guy. And, and that, that's where it could get really scary for the league. And last question for you. The Celtics currently hold the three seed in the Eastern Conference. How far do you believe this team can realistically go? I think realistically you can uh, say a conference final is mm-hmm. is certainly realistic. You know, your first-round matchup would be a you know either Brooklyn or Indiana or Orlando, it seems like right now, and I feel pretty good about them getting out of that. Mm-hmm. Second round, a second round matchup. If they if they get the second or third seed, they avoid Milwaukee, which is huge uh, until the conference final. So a second round matchup against maybe a Toronto, that would be that would be a tough series. Uh, I think that they you know have it would be like a, a seven game series, and if they can get to that two seed and have home court, is very possible to get out of that. And then it's hard to say they will beat Milwaukee and go to the NBA Finals. They they have a shot at it, but obviously Milwaukee's playing so well that mm-hmm. at this point you say uh, you, you would have to favor Milwaukee in a series against the Celtics, but it'd be a good series. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Celtics won that series, but if I'm going to be just realistic about it, I'll say conference finals would be a realistic uh, expectation. And John, we'd like to thank you for coming on to the show today on Midnight Mania Sports, and best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.